The following is an encore presentation of Exploring the Word. The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He, God, is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. With those words from Psalm 91, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. And if you've got a Bible, turn to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Bert, you know, when I was growing up, guess how I learned to find Psalms in Sunday school as a child? Guess how they taught us to find the book of Psalms? Take it and open it up right in the middle. Exactly. That was before maps and before indexes and concordances. Now, when you do that, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll wind up in Isaiah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Uh, it's according to which book you have. You know which Bible you have. Do you have a lot of helps in it? Uh, you might get it wrong. But if it's just the Scriptures, Alex, I found out that works every time. Open the Bible <laughs> in the middle, and right, just right smack in the middle, and you're very, very likely to be in the book of Psalms. And so, uh, Bert, I have a letter here. I'm holding in my hand a handwritten letter from uh, a gentleman named Theodore. And Theodore, if you're listening today, thank you so much for writing to us. But he says, Dear gentlemen of Exploring the Word, I listen to Alex and Bert every day. And uh, I'm driving from, he's talking about where he works, and and he hears us on his drive time home. Bert, I suspect uh, probably a whole bunch of people do, don't they? That is drive time. And we appreciate having uh, Eastern time. It's from 4 to 5, and Central, it's 3 to 4. And uh, it's driving time for a lot of people, Alex, and what a prime time for us to be able to explore God's Word. Well, amen. And he uh, shares some things about what he does and how he likes the show, and he asked us if we would talk about Psalm 91. And uh, Theodore, thank you for listening, and thank you for your stand for Jesus Christ and your kind words. And uh, he's talking about... um, the Bible, he says, it's the Word. I'm sure it is God's Word. And he says, thank you for doing what you do, and God's hand is on our show. Well, we, we give God the glory, but per your request, Theodore, and I've thought about it for a while, but we, we are going to look at Psalm 91. And, and what I want to pull out of this, and Bert, let's talk about it. I want to talk about how God is our protector, and therefore we have courage. So I want to read through this. It's just uh, 16 verses, very short, but um, there's some things about God that we learn, and then there's some responses from us that we can have in light of this. So I, I think it's it's encouraging stuff, don't you? I agree. And when <clears throat> Alex reads this, notice the beginning, the first three, four verses, all the names of references to God. Because it all, st- whatever we have that is good stems from Him, and and I think Alex, you're right on. This Psalm gives that courage and strength because of who He is, and so just yeah. notice at the beginning all the names of God. Well, and and let me say there was a quote from General Patton, you know, the very famous World War II commander, and uh, Patton said, "Courage is fear holding on a minute longer." And uh, we need courage nowadays. And let me just say uh, to pastors out there, 
uh, we would encourage you to preach the Word of God fearlessly, courageously, uh, comprehensively. And, you know, we've got so many things in our world, and I think more than ever the Church of Jesus Christ needs courage. So Psalm 91, let me sort of scan through this, and then we're first going to talk about the aspects of how the Lord protects us. But um, as it says in verses 1 and 2, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, God is our refuge and fortress. All right, verse 3, surely God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust, and his truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Uh, Not be afraid by day or night, not be afraid of pestilence in the night. Uh, Verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come to thee. I mean, These are as people dying in a battle. Uh, But you need not worry, child of God. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Bert, uh, we don't need to um, lament when we think evil people are getting ahead, because that's not the end of the story, is it? It is not. And, you know, we need to view life eternally and not temporal. Uh, When you get into the temporal, yes, you have food. Yes, you have clothing. All those things are real, and and I do not deny them. But when you have the view of eternity, it puts it in perspective. And that's what the psalmist does here in a great way. He puts it in view of eternity, and uh, so we can trust him. So, Alex, right on. Notice, even in the heat of the battle, no matter what that battle is, we trust him. Amen. Well, and we trust him, verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. For Now, I love verse 11. Yes. He will give his angels charge over thee. Seems like I've heard that used before somewhere, Alex. You know, we often talk about, you know, the, the angels encamping around the house of the righteous, and God does. Um, people, ask, we've had this question: Are there really guardian angels? Well, I think Psalm ninety-one eleven is one of the verses that points to that. God gives His angels supernatural ministering spirits ministering to the heirs of salvation. That's believers. Um, Bert, I, I think if we could somehow see the invisible supernatural world all around us, there's probably more angels operative in this world than we could ever comprehend. I agree fully, and uh, I I think one day uh, God's going to let us see that. Uh, I really do. I believe uh, that we're going to be able to view our lives and see all the things that God has done for us, those things we know, but those things we do not know, Alex, it floods my mind of sometimes I say, that had to be God. You know, well, Mm -hmm. I'm going through it. I don't know. But after it's over, I reflect, that was God. That was his angels giving guard over us. Praise the Lord for his angels that minister in our behalf. Well, now, and you know verse 12, uh, Satan, when Satan was tempting Jesus, you know, when Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness, Satan twisted and, and misused Psalm 91 verse 12, the angels shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And, of course, Jesus responded to Satan 
and said, you know, don't tempt the Lord thy God. But it goes on and uh, says, you know, um, that the righteous, empowered and protected by God, shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under thy feet. So predators, mammals, and reptiles you're going to be protected from. And, you know, Bert, I've got to believe a lot of missionaries on remote soil have probably leaned on Psalm 9113. I agree. Because I've heard of uh, missionaries surviving animal attacks. But 14, 15, 16, then I want to get into some deep things here. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. See, God is saying, look, my child has loved me. My child has trusted in me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, Bert, there's a lot in here. And and let's talk about God, our protector and provider, and how we respond to that. As we see that, <clears throat> you always look, I, I have to, when you do in scriptures, you look at the beginning, but you also look at the end and everything. And, and notice where he's taking us. He takes us to this part based upon who God is, and he goes through all these events in life. You just notice that, Alex, uh, dashing your foot against a stone, falling by the right side, uh, right hand, and him protecting us, but it ends with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation, the ultimate deliverance. Now, we have periods of deliverance in our life, and I believe in God's delivering ministry, delivering us from sin, and a lot of things was talking about the angels that they've delivered us from that we don't even know. I I know that's happening, but what he finally does is deliver us to Now, that's the Mm. great part, the eternal part, and that's the climax. And it's all based on who he is and what he's done. And you see that in the beginning of Psalm 91 again. Because of who he is, what he's done, he can do these things, Alex. He's not limited to that. And then the most amazing thing to me, he desires to do that for us. Now, Well, he does. And don't get caught up in just comfort. Now, he does comfort us uh, with his Holy Spirit, but God is interested in developing who I am, and who I am is the character that he has given me. And so along the way, there's going to be some discomfort along with his comfort in order for us to make it and be who we are in Christ Jesus at that day. So, Alex, I I love this psalm because it doesn't deny the discomfort and the difficulties, but it tells us of God's purpose and God's pleasure in bringing us through these difficulties. So he is our shield. He is our provider. He is our protector. This psalm just demonstrates uh, this is nearly like in the New Testament. You know, you could transfer this into the New Testament with his covenant, and I think it would be clear, would it not? Well, it would. And do you know what? Um, we get this question a lot when we do you know, Q&A. Why do bad things happen? And um, sometimes skeptics ask it. You know, if God was real, you know, there wouldn't be pain and suffering and sin in the world. But even Christians, you know, I'm a believer. I follow the Lord, and we've gone through this deep valley. 
You know, I, I think about when I read something like this, Bert, I think about Philippians 3.10, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and Amen. the fellowship of his sufferings. Mm. See, uh, I love what you said that, you know, God doesn't just save us to take us to heaven one day, but from from salvation till death, we just live our life, and, you know, that's all there is to it. You know, we go through things, and we learn about ourselves. We learn about our frailty and weakness. We learn about the faithfulness of God. Uh, troubles and dangers that require us to trust in the Lord. Um, I think a lot of growth takes place in in the, the crucible of struggle yes. that we wouldn't have known any other way. And so, Bert, is it almost fair to say, you know, salvation is a two-sided coin. It, there's conversion and new birth, but then there's Christian growth and the journey of the disciple. And uh, Isn't you know, that interested, Alex, that it is disciple discipline from that? And, and in the New Testament, Paul would tell Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure and we want to enjoy. I mean, and I'm I'm guilty, man. I enjoy life. You've been around me. Those that have been, I enjoy meeting Bert, people. Yeah, I Bert do. Bert Harper is a <laughs> joyful person. But there's sometimes we endure. We endure, mm. and uh, we we've over we've over. I think done the thing about enjoying it, and uh, we need to balance that. And that's the two sided coin, Alex. Yes, there's enjoyment, but there's also endearment. Is that what said well enough about yeah. Psalm 91? I heard an insurance man say that you don't want to die too soon or live too long. But for a Christian, we know our steps are ordered by God. Stay tuned. Exploring the Word is coming back. We're going to continue with the comfort and protection of God from Psalm 91. Don't go away. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. We're pre-recording this program, so we won't take calls at the end of the program today. But we're glad you're listening, and we're in Psalm 91. One of the uh, all the Psalms are are great, but some have more gravitas than others. And, Good word, yeah. And Psalm 91 has that, and uh, this is from a request, and I, this blesses me. A writer writes in to Alex and says he how much he enjoys, and we appreciate that, Theodore, and saying, what about Psalm 91? And uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, we go through the Psalms. The way we do the Psalms, we haven't gone straight through them in a Bible study like we have uh, Genesis and, and other because books. Because there's 150 yeah. of them. <laughs> so we, we go through them at these times during the periods where we do pre-records. We do some. So we're excited about Psalm 91. And we're took, looking at God as the protector, the provider, the savior and sustainer. All of that's in there. It's tied into his names. It's tied into his character. And it's tied into his provision. So let's look at the provisions of his protection, Alex. Uh, they're pretty strong, and they're real, aren't they? 
Well, they really are. And for one thing, God offers his presence and his protection uh, personally. God, Here's the thing. You know, we often want God to do stuff for us, but you know what he offers? He offers us himself. Mm. Isn't that something? Uh, so um, it begins, it says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, um, you think about if you met... Uh, a great leader, or met one of your, you know, heroes, or somebody who influenced you, and we've we've heard that saying, I've, "I'm just content to stand in His shadow." Well, um, we stand in the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, that's a, a an amazing picture to be to ha- be next to God, uh, and to be standing next to the Almighty. And I that Greek that, and that Hebrew is El Shaddai, Almighty. Oh, yes. That's it. And then the Most High, these are two names of God right here in this one verse, Elion, and Great God, uh, you know? And so this is who he is, Alex. I mean, I I know I've, I've done this the third time, so I'm bound to get this in. But this is just why. It's because of who he is that all of this is possible, isn't it? It will. It is, and you know, he is the Almighty. He's not the the somewhat mighty or the largely, you know, might no the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress in my God, whom I trust. And friend, no matter what you're facing and how stressful this particular day might be, understand that God has offered Himself to you personally, and uh, you know that's. No more uh, vividly proven than in the incarnation and the salvation of Jesus. You know, when we needed our sin debt paid, God didn't delegate that or, you know, let some angel come, but God himself took on a human body personally. And, And secondly, rejoice in this, that God invites all to come unconditionally. Bert, I love the whoever's of the Bible. You bet. Uh, whoever dwells, and listen, you might we we say to ourselves, you know, but God, God's probably done with me. I've I've you know wandered for too long, and God wouldn't take me back. Yes, He will. I've done too many bad things. God couldn't forgive me. Yes, He can. And don't you love from Old and New Testaments, even to the very the final paragraphs of the Bible, over and over and over, the Lord cries out, whosoever will may come. Amen. Aren't you glad that God's open arms are unconditional? They are. And and when you say that, Alex, you just go through all the Bible and you see, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You remember what he said to, to uh, Noah and his family about the ark? Come into the ark. He didn't say go into it. He said come into it. Beautiful. And, and, yes. and that is that is who he is. Come unto me. And uh, so whoever dwells, uh, I'm glad I'm part of that whosoever will and whoever dwells. And one more thing, as you see that again, four different names of God in verses one and two, most high, almighty, Lord, and God. Mm. And, and you've got here on your outline, and I, Alex, you hit it out of the park personally. One of those names is, is good. But when God is revealing himself here in Psalm 91, he is revealing his fullness. One, yeah. one name just does not do justice. I don't know how else to say it, of who and all that God is. 
So he is the Most High. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the Lord, the one in charge, and he is my God. That's who he is, and he wants to be your God. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be the one that is leading you through those difficult paths that we go through, the shadow of the valley of death. He wants to lead us through those, Alex, and he does. And it goes back to what you just said, whoever dwells, whoever would come to him. He's not selective on who he invites. Now, he is selective on those that respond. Is that, That's true. Is, yeah. I think that would be the correct way to say that. Go ahead, brother. Well, well you know, the, the cross of Christ, and he paid our sins on, on Calvary. And God is willing not only to save you, convert you, save your soul, but walk with you every day of life. Uh, but um, it's you don't just passively get into the plan of God. You have to turn to Christ. And so God just doesn't automatically pour all these blessings to the person who's uninterested in a relationship with him. And part of this is that, you know, God offers the gift of himself, but we must actively respond to it. Why? Because God is about us having a relationship with himself. You know, I've had skeptics say to me, well, um, you know, if, if God is real and if God loves me, you know, let a briefcase full of money fall down from the sky right now. Do you, you know, that, that's really a, a silly mindset. God is not just this vending machine. You know, you can press a button on a machine and a soft drink will fall into the slot, but you can't love and uh, have a relationship with that machine. God is not merely some vending machine or just, a, you know, a lottery ticket you scratch off. God is a living person, and like it says, the Almighty, the Most High... And he desires a relationship with us. So these four things about God, he's personal, he's unconditional, he is providential, and he's supernatural. And let's camp out on these last two for a second. God providentially uh, works in our life. And the verse goes on about how he saves us from the fowler's snare. All right, a, a snare is like a trap that's set that you don't even see, Bert. Yeah. You know, I've I've known a lot of, of great hunters, and, you know, sometimes they would set a trap, and, uh, you know, the animal, the idea is that the bird doesn't see it. Um, in warfare, there are traps that are hidden and disguised, and providentially, God saves us from stuff we didn't even know was there. That's exactly right. I, in one of the first churches I was at, it was a rural church, and it was close to a river, and bottomland, and they did have all kind of animal life. And one of the men who I was acquainted with in our community, uh, his wife came to our church, and I was trying to reach him. And I went to his place of business, and he did fur trading and everything, but he also had traps. Now, are these snares? Guess what, Alex? He had snares that were for beavers, but a different snare for a mink a different snare for a rabbit. He had all these different traps, and each one of them specialized in the animal to which it was meant to capture. Mm-hmm. The all You remember all the snares of the devil? Yeah. He studies us. He's not all-knowing, oh so he doesn't yeah. know everything, but he is an observer, and he, he and his demons observe our life and designs, snares, or traps that are set just for us. 
in our weakness, in our in being tempted to be drawn aside. So we have to stay alert. And this is what you were talking about. We have to stay alert. We have to stay on our guard, stay in the word, stay walking. Do not let sin take up residence in your life. Keep a short list of confession that you've, your sin is short. And Alex, that way the defeat of the fowler snare, will it will be empty in place of full Amen. of that which Satan set it for. Well, you know, I, I think that, because the Bible talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we know what the world is all around us, and we know, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we know what the flesh is like. We all have weaknesses and Achilles heels. And then there is the devil. And let's talk about the providential protection of God, because Satan often attacks us emotionally, psychologically. We worry, we doubt. Um, Satan definitely tempts us physically, but, uh, you know, Bert, when um, here in Greensboro, they were downtown tearing down an old building to build a new building, and they, um, I watched them on the news, they imploded a building. And sure, they tore down the crown molding and some of the, the little superficial things, but what they did, they end the foundation and in, in all the vertical beams that held the building up, they put the explosives in the foundation and in the, the key beams in the middle of the building. And when, when the foundation was gone, the building imploded. I mean, who cares about the little the crown moldings and the doorknobs? If you want a building to fall in, you take out the foundation. Mm. And so if we doubt, well, who, is, is God even real? See, that's foundational to believe that God is real. It's foundational to trust who God says he is, that he is good, he is faithful, he will never leave you or forsake you. And so it's important to think about, you know, our walk, our witness, our prayer life, our disposition, you know, all those things. But I really think the confidence and the stability, we've got to vigilantly keep a, a, a true perspective of the Lord, that he is the Savior. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, he does hear the cries of his children. And do not let the devil undermine your foundational uh, understanding of, of God and his love. Now, it goes on there in verse 4, and we're talking about the providential protection of God. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and, and rampart, really. Bert, I've said this before, I have seen a mother hen gather chicks up under her wings, yeah. and it's a beautiful thing. It is. And, and yeah. I will tell you, when when the mother hen thinks those babies are threatened, she will wail on you. Yes, she will. And in a very similar way, God gathers us up under his arms to be our fort and our protector. So um, in his providential protection, sometimes he rescues us from a problem that we're in, but I think many more times he shields us. I believe so too. From something that we might have fallen into. Amen. Uh, growing up, we had this little booklet we read to our three sons, and it was about a prairie fire out in Canada. And um, and this man, after it was, you know, the fire had gone through his fields, he went through and looked at him and he looked and I'm making it short but he finds this mound and he says I wonder what that is it was charred 
he couldn't tell what it was, and so he just, with his foot, on with his boot, he kicks it, and when he kicks it, it goes over, and out comes five or six little chicks. That mother hen had gathered those little chicks under her wings, and the fire would take her life, but she gave her life to save those chicks underneath her wings and her feathers. That's wow. the power of God. Jesus Christ took our sin on the cross, and wow. he paid that price so that we could be protected as we come unto him and our sins paid for. So, Alex, when I see that under his wings, you will find refuge. Isn't that, that a beautiful that word picture? Yes, it does. That is who he is. And, and you as a follower of Christ— Run to him, run to him, and get under those wings. Yes. Well, in God, we are protected supernaturally. We've talked a little bit about how he commands his angels to guard you and protect you. Imagine the Lord saying, hey, look down there, Bert Harper is traveling and he needs protection. I'm going to dispatch a half dozen of my strongest angels to, to lift up his arms and not let him be injured or anything like that. And so, you know, we we don't fully understand it all, but we are protected supernaturally, supernaturally. And, you know, we've got the indwelling Holy Spirit. We've got God who is everywhere, omnipresent. We've got his angels that are always obeying his commands and following orders. And so, don't forget the shield of faith, you know, amen. you know, when we talk about protection if if your faith is real in Christ in Christ alone it's a shield and uh, we we sometimes we forget that you know it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and, and that's what you're just talking about you're talking about the weapons of our warfare and many of them are defense yes you have the word of God which is sword of the spirit but praise the Lord for his supernatural and I want to say there's supernaturalness in the word of God. Yeah, that that's why you want to claim it, meditate on it, and even quote it when Jesus was being tempted, and he quoted the word of God back to him. There's power in the word of God. I think it's supernatural power, Alex. Don't you think the psalmist would have loved to have um, read Ephesians six? <laughs> you know, yes, I mean, yes. because we're talking about the protection in Ephesians six, um, the shield of faith, and all the. The, the ways that God looks after us. Amen. So, folks, um, we can trust God. And lovingly and thoroughly, he says, look, I'm going to be with my children in every situation with long life and salvation. We're in Psalm 91. We've gone over the names of God. We're talking about the provision and his protection. It's supernatural. And he wants you to be one of those that is following him. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I once read a little quote where somebody said that that fear is, uh, well, courage is fear that has said its prayers. 
But uh, we're talking about courage and being confident in the Lord. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane here with Bert Harper. And by the way, uh, this is a pre-record because uh, Bert and I are on the road speaking or serving the Lord somewhere, but uh, we do love to hear from you. We can't take live calls today, obviously, but you can email us and we will get it. Uh, we'll get it at word at afr.net, W-O-R-D, word at afr.net. And also, you know, on the, the site, you can hear so much good content from uh, Brian Fisher and Sandy Rios and Abe Hamilton and Mi- Will and Mickey Addison, and also the Exploring the Word programs are archived there on afr.net. And we do love to hear from you, and we appreciate you uh, interacting with the American Family Association and listening to the show. We're in Psalm 91, and we've talked about how, you know, who God is and how He offers Himself personally and supernaturally, and He protects us lovingly and unconditionally. And now, in light of all this, uh, Bert, let's talk about how do we respond, how do we face life, you know, with the, the highs and the lows, the joys and the stresses, how do we face life in response to God and His love and care? You know, when I hear that question, you're in Psalm 91, but my mind immediately goes to Philippians in chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us will complete it, will perfect it under the day of the Lord Jesus. Alex, Mm-hmm. So when I know that, I can live that courageous brings confidence in him, not confidence in myself, but confidence that he'll never leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's going to accomplish his will in us. And and so, yes, praise the Lord because of his providential care, his supernatural care, and him sustaining us, uh, we, can, we can go forward confident in our position in him, can't we? Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, confidence is key in in just about anything. In fact, I was talking to a person earlier this week uh, about they hire a lot of young people, give a lot of people their first job. And I ask, you know, in in the kids you hire, high schoolers or college freshmen, you know, what do you look for? And they said, you know, one of the key things, yeah, obviously some skills and integrity, but they said confidence. They said that the, the kids that, that blow the job interview are the ones that are insecure and don't have any confidence. And so we need confidence at all areas of life. Now, um, in verse 5, it says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. L- let me talk about Night and darkness scares us because it's the unknown. Maybe the future scares you because, obviously, to all of us mere mortals, the future is unknown. But God knows the future, praise the Lord. Bert, in one one of my books, I talk about uh, the Cherokee Indians in western North Carolina and when a boy would become a man. And um, Tyndale Publishers made me verify this before I used this. This illustration was just so good. They were like, look, you got to really see if this is true. And so we checked it out, and this is true. When um, a, a young man was going to move from being a boy to a man, what they would do, they would take him out in the woods, which could be very dangerous. And I know I've camped on the North Carolina-Tennessee border, and we had a bear come up one night, so I know it can be scary. But they, the Indian brave, the little uh, teenage boy, would stand on a stump in the middle of the night. And he would have to stay out there alone in the middle of the woods 
from night to sunrise. And no matter what happened, if they heard a noise or a, a, an animal or a predator, you know, if you could stay there uh, till sunrise, you were no longer a scared little boy. You were now a man. But when the sun would rise and the, the brave would open his eyes, what he didn't know was that all through the night, his father had been there. Amen. To protect him. Had a, had a real mortal danger manifested itself, the father was there to protect him. Amen. And you know what? In God, we can live confidently. We do not fear the terror of night or anything in the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the plague. Listen, God is with us. And Hebrews 13 says he will never leave or forsake us. And in that, we have confidence. We do. I, I can't have these two things bring another story to my mind that I can relate real quickly. Uh, I was saved as a 12-year-old boy, Alex. God came into my life, and uh, I was fearful. I was a fearful kid. Fear kind of dominated my life. I don't know how else to say that. And I was afraid of the dark. That night, I was saved on a Tuesday night in August, and I knew I'd trusted the Lord. I wanted to prove if there was a difference or not. So the first thing I did after I got home and everybody got in, I went outside in the dark. Uh, we didn't have street lights where we lived. We were out in the country. And so if the moon wasn't shining, I'm just telling you, it was pitch dark. And I wanted to see, I was proving the Lord, you know, is there a difference in my life? And I want to tell you, I had a difference in my life. The Holy Spirit had come into my life, not to be foolish. I'm not talking about that, but I wanted to see, had there been a difference in my life that the darkness was not overwhelming me in fear? And Amen. I want to share with you, Alex, it was real. God yeah. came into my life and he gave me a confidence in him that, that was gone before that. I had none whatsoever. But God coming into my life as a 12-year-old boy made me think of that brave, that young boy going from, uh, you know, childhood to adulthood to becoming that brave. Um, in our lives, there's those transmissional moments. And mine as a 12-year-old boy, when Christ came into my life, my life was transitioned from fear of dominating my life to a confidence in God who controlled my life. I'll take that. It was worth it, brother. Well, you know, in John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus told the disciples, Peace I leave with you, peace I give, not as the world gives, but Jesus says, I give you peace. Uh, I mean, real peace, confidence. And so we, we can live confidently, or we can face our trials fearlessly, or at least with some degree of, of courage, you know. Um, hey, let's be honest, we all have feet of clay, and you know, Healthy concern is one thing, but God's people don't have to be fearful. And I think that's one of the great blessings is that we know, you know, songwriters have talked about it and written about it, composers. We know God is in control. Now, the the Psalm 91 there says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Um, the The world, hey, do you know what? In the book of Revelation, it talks about all the economies of the world and the whole big fallen human system just falling down in one hour and one day, you know. 
Uh, there's the old gospel song, you know, where are you going to be when the sky falls? Um, but we, we can be fearless because we're in Christ. And let me just say a word right now, Bert. We had a listener who uh, called me up yesterday, and he said, I wish my preacher would preach on, you know, what's going on, current events. And he said, you know, the world is just in a in a bad way right now, and America needs a great revival. And he said, my preacher's preaching, you know, little feel-good sermons, and, and he said, you know, things are imploding. Let me just say to the pastors out there, and Bert and I have both pastored churches, um, Bert longer than I, but pastor, preach the Word of God fearlessly, and, you know, let's... If ever there were a time, Bert, that the church, and especially ministers, should exercise their prophetic call, this is the time. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. tell you about a fearless preacher. There was uh, Hugh Latimer during the time of the Reformation. He lived in the 1500s, and he was the Bishop of Worcester in England, and he was under the reign of Henry VIII. And Henry VIII was, uh, among other things, a philanderer. And there was a there was a custom that on New Year's Day the bishops were to give presents to the king, and and frankly it was just um, trying to curry favor with the king. And um, you know no bishop would would preach anything against the king of England. But Hugh Latimer he was fearless, and uh, knowing the life of Henry VIII, he uh, didn't give money or any kind of a you know. Uh, flattery to the king. He gave a New Testament to the king, and with a page turned down and underlined of Hebrews 13.4 that said, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now that's fearlessness, isn't it? (laughs) May the Lord increase their tribe. If there's a pastor looking and say, well, I don't know exactly how to do that, what you're talking about, let me suggest preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, do it. Just go through the book of First Corinthians <laughs> and preach on <clears throat> what it says, what you were, what to do. I, I just want to tell you, if that doesn't do it, preach through the book of Amos. And I uh, had a pastor's wife that said when he started preaching, when her husband started preaching from the book of Amos, she knew they would be leaving pretty soon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there, yeah. there's some books in there. I just want to say, if you don't preach from it, read it. And and there can, and the word of God the, will speak for it itself. Real and be be fearless and courageous and passionate and loving. I heard about this committee that was looking for a pastor. They went to hear two guys. Both of them preached on hell. Called one and not the other. The reason they called the one that they did, it says he preached on hell and he was accurate, but he acted like he didn't want anybody to go there. And the other guy, he preached like he wanted everybody to go there. So don't don't be afraid, be fearless, but be loving, be caring, be redemptive, be deliverance. God can deliver the whoremonger. God can deliver the adulterer. God doesn't want you to stay that way. And uh, so, yes, that that is the love of God, Alex, that he would deliver us from a lifestyle of destruction and sin. That's, that's the loving God, and that's love in preaching, brother. Well, amen. A- amen. And You know, folks, we're talking through Psalm 91, and we're talking about how God is so powerful and so faithful and so wise, and therefore we can be confident, we can be fearless. But, uh, you know, we we find our identity in Jesus. I mean, there's a lot—we could probably do a whole show on what it means to derive our our value, our identity, our worth, our stability in Christ— 
And so in childlike trust, in humility, we, we recognize the reality of who we are in God. All right, um, it goes on, and we're going to conclude here, but Psalm 91 says, you know, observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked, and say, the Lord is my refuge, the Most High is my dwelling place, no harm is going to overtake me, no disaster will come near my tent. Humbly, we just live in God. Now, let me let me talk about being childlike for a minute, Bert. Matthew 18 Three, Jesus said, you know, unless you change and become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's just something so beautiful about the joy and the trust of a child. A child, uh, they they can just get lit up with, with happiness and joy over the, the smallest things. You know, Bert, uh, my little nephew Benjamin, that... Um, we spent so much time together when he was growing up, and down in one of our barns, we had a bunch of old car parts, and there was an old steering wheel off some car that I had worked on when I was a teenager, just a steering wheel. And Benjamin would get that steering wheel and gleefully, joyfully run around the yard like he was driving a car. And he loved that steering wheel. Yes. And I mean, he would play with that thing. And one time I told him, and he asked me, he said, now what is this? I said, well, it's a steering wheel. And I said, you know what? There's a whole 10,000 other parts of a car that are equally fascinating, too. You don't even know about that yet. I mean, he was just happy with that steering wheel like a little child. And then he really, like myself, got into cars later on. My point is this. With childlike trust and childlike gratitude and childlike stability, rejoice in all that you have in the Lord. And don't let the noise of life rattle you. Don't let the noise of life steal your happiness or your joy. We are children of the King. Our name is written in high places. We're in his book. He's gone to prepare a mansion for us. He's coming again. He indwells us. He is faithful and will not abandon us. Bert, I'm happy to know, come what may, God is not going to abandon me. Hallelujah. I mean, isn't that a great it rock is. of stability on it which is. to stand? It is. And verse 14 really restates that, Alex. Listen, he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Listen, he has set his love. We set our love upon him. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Alex, it's, it's one, we can love him because he first loved us. And Psalm 91 demonstrates that, that this psalmist now responds to that God who has cared for him and loved him, made himself known to him. And so what we're asking is for you who are listening to respond to the love of God in Christ Jesus, that God loved you more than you could ever dream or think. And he has set his love upon you. Would you set your love upon him? Turn to him. Ask him to forgive of your sin. Ask him to come into your life as you turn away from your way and go his way and, and surrender to his lordship. He is Lord, Alex. We just need to surrender and walk in it, don't we? You know, when Chrysostom was going to be martyred, he said, what do I have to fear? I know that Christ is my life. I will gain by death. Hey, in Christ, our Savior, 
our faithful friend. We have nothing to fear. Thank you, Alex, for taking us through Psalm 91. We hope you who have listened has enjoyed it. And, and read Psalm 91 from time to time. When you get discouraged and you need some courage, read Psalm 91. Thank you again, Alex. Hey, God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Tell somebody about exploring the Word. But most of all, most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.